Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Hello and welcome to The Grange Point. My name's Lachlan. I'm Camille. I'm Lauren. And today we're going to talk about the magic of Facebook, how to fairly share a cake, the NBA, and we're going to celebrate the first female winner of the Fields Medal Award. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. This week's City of Science is the city of Seoul in South Korea. Now, why are we talking about Seoul? Well, it's not just because it has a lot of Seoul, but it's also currently the Seoul of Mathematics. That's right. The Fields Medals, otherwise known as the Nobel Prize for Mathematics, was announced this this week in Seoul in South Korea. And in fact, the medals were given out by the first woman president of South Korea, Park Yun-hae. And uh, it actually really links into our first news story of this week, which is going to be talking about some of the, some of the winners of the Fields Medal this year. The Fields Medal is given out yearly. Um, un- as the Nobel Prize doesn't actually cover mathematics, the Fields Medal actually is the equivalent for mathematicians. It can be awarded to anyone under the age of 40 who's done some novel or interesting work in the field of mathematics. And it comes with a cash prize for around 15000 Canadian dollars. Yeah, Justin, and the coolest news about this is that it's actually the first time a woman has won this prestigious prize. Um, so one quarter of the prize has gone to Mariam Mirzakhani, who's an Iranian-born mathematician um, from Harvard. Um, so she grew up in Tehran, in 1977, and she earned a PhD in 2004 from Harvard, and she's an expert in geometry, so in weird geometry. So she's figured out like new and unique ways to calculate the volumes of weirdly shaped things. And mostly curved surfaces, because uh, it's, it's, it's one of the weirdest kind of things out there. 3D geometry is super weird, and any mathematics relating to it gets really, really hard. Integrals are difficult enough in two dimensions, but as we add a third in there, they start having difficult path vector equations. So what else has uh, Mariam done in the area of mathematics? Oh, it's really cool, because this award, I think Mariam's had it for a long time coming. Because when she was a teenager, she actually participated in the international mathematics competitions, uh, the Olympiads. Mm. And she actually finished the last one with a perfect score, which is absolutely ridiculous. That, that is pretty incredible. And then in 2009, she won the Blumenthal Award for the Advancement of Research in Pure Mathematics. And in 2013, she won the Satter Prize of the American Mathematical Society. So both in America and internationally, for a long time, she's been recognized as one of the absolute best people in her field. And, that, and it's really important that she got it now. She's age 37. So as the Fields Medal is actually given out every four years, this would pretty much be the last chance that she would have had to get it. So it's very important that she actually got the gong uh, for this medal. And uh, it goes, goes to show that there can be some really talented and interesting applications, and creative applications of mathematics, uh, and how it requires not just great technical ability and it smarts around complicated maths, but also far-reaching vision and deep curiosity, which is what the, the Fields Medal Award Committee actually noted particularly in her case. Well, you're really big into sports. In fact, you probably followed the World Cup religiously and was totally into all the amazing close margins of victory. I mean, especially how Australia just managed to get beaten 
in in their qualifying match, even though held, you know, Chile are a very powerful and strong team that in, a, in a really close match. And uh, but you know, sometimes even when you just win or, or barely win or just lose, it can actually teach a lot. But I hear there's some interesting mathematics that covers exactly that. Well, yeah, Justin, you see, you're talking about winning and losing and those outcomes. I think that's a really binary way of looking at things. I like to transcend and destroy binaries because I think they're inherently toxic. So what some scientists have done at Brigham Young University is that they've actually studied the outcomes from NBA matches. So whether they were close matches and close wins or absolute blowouts or crushing defeats and how that actually modifies the decision-making of those teams. Right, so whether or not... Getting, sla- getting slaughtered, getting really badly beaten actually causes the team to do worse or better the next time they play. That's right. And so if a team does really well, they're probably going to stick with what worked. And if they have an absolute smash of match and they, they do really, really well, then they're going to stick with that strategy. But what they found is if a team only wins by a little bit or loses by a little bit, that's probably going to be mostly due to luck. Right. But what they found in the studies is that if a team wins by a little bit, they think they're doing fantastically, and so they don't really change much. And on the same token, if they only lose by a little bit, they overreact and they change their game plan completely, when then it might have just been unlucky. Right. Okay, so so what you're saying is that the there's actually a correlation in the outcomes in, in the following matches. So what do they actually look at? Do they look at the following performance after a certain type of victory? Oh, yeah, so they're looking at how they change the lineup. So the starting players they put on the court to start the game, and then also correlating that with whether they then won or lost after those changes. Well, that sounds fascinating. So what did these economists actually figure out? So they found out that um, if they had just won by only a couple of points, the coaches usually change the starting lineup one-fourth of the time, whereas if they only just lost, they changed it up one-third of the time. And they found that these hasty adjustments, so if they are overreacting to a small loss, that actually causes them to lose more. Right, because it backfires, basically. It's like if you if you slightly spill a drink and then you try and, like, fix it... Oh, God, I'm sorry, I'm like, sorry. Oh. You end up shaking and spilling the drink more and more everywhere um, because of an overreaction and overcorrection. Yeah, and they think that this has um, a lot of applications to economics because economics is a lot of, like, decision-making mixed with statistical analysis. It's sort of like psychology and math coming together a little bit in some ways. Um, And so what they're saying is, if you've got something like a performance outcome, like you're supposed to sell a certain number of things, if you fail to sell that number of things, you've just failed completely. So they rate it either a zero or a one, and they'll either like fire you or they'll reward you. When they should be paying a lot more attention to, did you just make it or did you just get under? And what does that mean and how can you reflect? Mm. And so changing your decision-making based on... Changing your decision-making when there's only a little bit of difference between a win and a loss. Mm, right, which, which may not be actually the best situation in that instance. You might stick it out with the same strategy the next year and actually sell more just because the way the luck happens to fall or other factors outside of your control. That's right, and that's actually what they ended up naming the title because they found out that um, coaches would underreact to close wins and they, even though they were expected to win by a lot and they just win by a little bit, they wouldn't see that as an issue, even though it sort of is, when you think about the expected outcome. Mm. And so they titled their entire paper, Sticking with What Barely Worked. I think that's a really fascinating insight into the world of economics. And as university students in general. Yeah, and uh, and statistics. So it just goes to show there's a lot we can actually gain in life from sports and statistical science around sports, my two favourite things. 
Camille, I'm really hungry and you brought me some dessert and it's cake and I want to eat it, but is it fair if I just eat all of the cake? How um, should I divide the cake? First off, you can't just eat all the cake, Justin. That's not how fair cake distribution works. All right, well then tell me how fair cake distribution is supposed to work. Well, um, it's the kind of cut and choose method to share like goods that um, are regarded as fair and envy free. So, however, you know when you try and divide it the best you can, really equally, but you'll take the piece you want, someone will take the piece they want, but then you look at their piece again and it looks better than yours. So, some mathematicians... <laughs> Actually, a mathematician and a political scientist, because this is clearly what you need to settle all cake-related disputes. Yes, yes. Um, have come up with the best kind of solution to that. So the um... so normally you have a situation where you've got a whole cake. Yes. So we say one person has a knife, the other person gets to choose. So that way you ensure equal distribution because the person making the separation decision and the person making the selection decision are actually split. So not one person has all the power. But they say this still has a problem um, because unlike cake, if you look at something more complex like land, like cakes are fairly uniform. You've got icing on top and you've got delicious, delicious insides. Yes. That's pretty uniform. But and if that's the same as land and countries? No! People on top, delicious, delicious <laughs> rocks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> delicious yeah, rocks. Rock. Well, no, because like, you might have like, there's a waterfront bit, but then there's also a grassy bit and like a sandy bit. And people might have preferences um, based on what industries they're in or where they want to live and what they want to look at. So it's hard to use this system to make it equitable because different people can value different things at different priorities. Right, so what did uh, Julius Barnabal and Steve Grubbs of New York University and Union College in New York actually discover? So the perfect di division between two people to be um, efficient, equitable and void of jealousy, there needs to be an objective referee, maybe like a mother or a computer, so they don't have any bias within this. Um, the potential cake eaters need to tell the referees which part of the cake they really like the most so like maybe they like the center or maybe the outside i know me or personally crust. or the crust maybe the burnt bits of the cake that someone hasn't cooked as well or the cherry on top yeah, yeah. so um like uh, me personally i like all cake but say for example you lachlan you like the center of the cake whereas lauren most enjoyed the outer bit of the cake um, how would they perfectly distribute that between you two? Hmm. So they got these, um, these valued most parts of the cakes, which in mathematical terms are called someone's probability density function. So basically they make a map of this is my favourite bit, this is my least favourite bit, so you actually quantify the bits of the cake yes. you want the yeah. most. So this is the power I would least like to have, this is the part I would most, most. like to have. Yeah, exactly. So then the referee then marks out the cake at all the points where these most sought-after bits of the cake and um, disagreements between our cake eaters would happen and assigns each of them proportions of that part. Um, right, so they find, the, they find the parts where a disagreement would be because both people want the same thing. Yeah. And so they actually then uh, you know, make, say, okay, well, I'll give you this portion of this and I'll give you this portion of this. 
And I'm assuming that this process then repeats over long periods of time until they actually sort out all parts of the cake. So they start yeah. by chopping it up into pieces where they agree and disagree, and then actually end up covering all of the cake, and then balancing by making sure in the end both people get the, the same volumes. And that's a really interesting part of this algorithm is that you actually have, if at any stage it's not completely equal, the person with more cake has to give some cake back. Uh, and then recalculates the whole thing until eventually you have it exactly fair. Right. So there's a lot of applications for this, aside from cake, obviously, which is very important, but also land, specifically in beachfront development and property being owned by two developers. So if you had uh, you had a, a hotel complex or a beachfront complex being developed, who gets to have the prime beach real estate or the little pile on the little hill above it? And um, and this actually gets into helping them understand and come up with a system that's fair and equitable to actually resolve this issue. See, I think there's a more equitable way to share cake anyway. What's that? You give both children knives and you let them figure it out. Now that is that is not <laughs> advised by anyone. And I'm glad that the referee in this case, a parent, would uh, step in and resolve that circumstances. And we especially don't want to give property developers the same sort of method because that's, uh, that's how we end up with even more disputes in court. And that's the last thing that we want. This is amazing work being done by a collaboration between a mathematician and a political scientist, which is not always a match that you would think would be made in heaven. But with a perfect cake sorting algorithm, they can have their cake and eat it too. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we talked about some new awards in the area of mathematics. We also discussed sharing cake in the fairest way imaginable, as well as exploring some more interesting research being done in the fields metal. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.